0: Welcome to the For the Church podcast, another great gospel-centered resource from Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. My name is Jared Wilson. Once again, I have Ronnie Kurtz in the Spurgeon Library studio with me, and it's great that we're at peace together. Um, we I don't think we've ever had any sort of conflict between us. That's true. Um, you know, there, I mean, there's still room, there's still time. Yeah. We, we could get that going. But it's good, because today we're talking about pastors in particular addressing conflict, um, how to handle it, and let me just give you some background, some context for why I wanted to talk about this. It, it, it could seem like kind of a run-of-the-mill sort of subject. Um, I do a fair bit of ministry coaching and, of course, speak to pastors all the time, and one issue that I've seen uh, continually coming up and uh, one that continually came up in my own time in pastoral ministry was the addressing of conflict. Mm. Um, And I think for a lot of pastors, it's not so much a lack of knowledge in how, there's just often a lack of desire or reluctance to do it. So I do want to talk about the how a little bit, but I also just want to talk about the intentionality, why pastors sometimes um, go passive when it comes to points of tension or potential conflict. Sometimes conflict hasn't even happened. We're just afraid that it could happen. Um, and so we avoid making certain decisions, leading in certain ways. Um, sometimes we just know, yeah, this, this is going to blow up, mm. and so we're just trying to avoid that. And it's it's such a common thing. Uh, just yesterday, talking to a group of pastors, and this was like the most common shared current experience. Like um, three or four of the guys that I was speaking to uh, in, in in my coaching session um, were pointing to specific incidents uh, that were going on in their context right now in their ministries where, man, I've got to address this. But if I do, these people, this is going to blow up or this person's going to leave or all these sorts of things. And we don't talk about it too much. Um, At least I I don't think we do. We talk about conflict resolution in sense of like people's relationships and what have you. But for the pastor, it's a very sticky thing. Why do you think that is? Why? I'm sure there's several reasons and we can explore several of them. But what are some reasons pastors tend to avoid this kind of thing?
1: Yeah. I think even on a personal level uh you know I'm a pastor myself and and i'm not even uh, averse to conflict in terms of like my own personality you know i think for some pastors that's that's it they are yeah. they're they are not you know conflict oriented um and i think for for others who aren't averse in terms of just personality there's so many reasons there's bandwidth issues you know yeah. i have i have You know these forty-five things I need to get done. The last thing I want to do is press into it. It's a time suck, isn't it? it Really, it it ends up
0: taking a lot of your emotional energy, and you're almost thinking, "Is this even productive?" That's right. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or pastors. I think a lot of pastors just feel ill-equipped. You know, they they don't think that they would actually add much value or benefit the situation. Um, I think those and a whole truckload of other reasons are reasons pastors kind of excuse getting involved with conflict. Yeah. Um, I
0: think there is sort of the kind of man who is timid naturally, or or, or sort of averse to conflict in the sense of um, maybe there's an internal uh, training that comes through their own experience growing up, right? So you know, so much of the way you were quote unquote discipled in your upbringing shapes how you know relationally engaged you would be, and that would speak to even in your marriage versus. Um, in the context of your church, as well, and but then there's those on the other side who they seem to love conflict, and mm-hmm. they uh, there's a difference, you know, between a guy who will directly address something um, and and not avoid it, and someone who just thrives on it, and in some sense maybe even tries to create it or stir yeah. it up, you know, try to keep people on their heels all the time. So we're not talking about that, right? That's so right. It, if you're averse to conflict in the sense of it's just it's uncomfortable. Uh, it doesn't feel good. That's normal. We, and we're not saying that you should love it. You should provoke it. You should seek it out, all those sorts of things. Uh, so don't hear us wrongly there. Um, but we're just talking about in the sense of you're a shepherd uh, for a flock and there are points of tension, points of potential conflict, things that need, need to be addressed, whether they're sin issues, discipline issues um, or not, or just points of change. Mm. Maybe that's not a discipline or sin issue, but it's just – you have to lead a particular change in the church or institute a new program or go a certain direction. And you just know this is going to you know, stir some things up. You know, you got to go there. It's going to create points of tension, potential conflict. And so you, you know, adopt a kind of passivity there. Um, I think one of the factors is just in in the sort of Category of job security, mm, <laughs> perhaps. That's right. Yeah. Um, a lot of pastors I know, they're not necessarily people pleasers, but we just we like people to like us. We want to be a pastor that that everyone enjoys, that that everyone is happy with. And as soon as you engage, um, you know, conflict, you're running the risk of now putting yourself on the bad side of somebody, yeah, or coming down a few notches, or, or just disappointing somebody. Mm-hmm. And you know, oh, you know, you're yeah my experience of you has always been positive, happy, and now you're coming at me from a different direction I, I mean, I can think of a couple of instances in in one in particular, my last pastorate um where it's like, oh, I have to put the pastor hat on mm. you know my experience with one particular um person was very friendly and relational and we had a lot in common, and so his experience of me was I was the cool pastor, and then there's a sin issue that comes up, and you know it wasn't like you know excommunication worthy or anything like that but but things I had to address and it put me in the uncomfortable position of like now i can't be casual and yeah. carefree with you because mm. there's these things i'm seeing in your life that really need to be addressed because they're having wider impact than you know um you know with other relationships that you're involved in and so now i have to address these things and it was like i changed the relationship and man i didn't enjoy that at all mm. because it 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 you know it was like throwing cold water on yeah. on the warmth that we had had before that now i'm playing pastor in his mind is like oh you changed the game on me you were the cool pastor now, you're the guy who's trying to tell me to get my life right and act right and repent and these sorts of things. And I just don't, you know, pastors don't like um, to do that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't feel good, it doesn't feel comfortable to kind of lose approval um, in that sense. Um, let's talk about conflict as it relates to others, not necessarily the pastors involved, yeah. but there's conflict in the church. What are some steps? Um, you know, the Bible's not unclear <laughs> on, on, on these things. <laughs> Uh, you know, so much could be solved if we just said, okay, what does the Scripture say about yeah. this? We're not in the dark about how to you know, seek resolution on these things. What, what are some things the Bible says? What are some things that wisdom might say um, in application of the Scriptures that would help pastors address conflict or points of tension in the church?
1: Yeah, I think that's a great question. One of the things that I, I uh, tell our uh, pastoral residents at our church is that, look, if you want to take to the task of leading these people – And shepherding them towards Jesus, I think one of the implications and consequences of that is you just assume it's your responsibility to lead out in the process of reconciliation. I -hmm. tell this to husbands as well, you know, you should just assume, even if you're right, just assume it's your responsibility to lead in the process of reconciliation. And I think pastors uh, would do well to have a similar bent of just um, you know, a simple question: What does the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus have to do with this situation? Hmm. And uh, how can it inform the way we're thinking, acting, talking towards one another? And what does um, what does gospel unity and repentance look like? Uh, one of the things that we say at our church all of the time is that confession only yields life, and so it might feel like death in the moment, yeah, yeah. but it only yields life. And and we lead out and bending the situation towards reconciliation. I don't. I think that you could hear that advice and just assume you have to get involved in everything, and I'm not saying that. What I am saying is those particular situations that you are brought in on and you do need to provide pastoral oversight, um, passivity isn't the option that right. uh, you choose. You, you choose leaning in and leading your people into a process of reconciliation.
0: That's good. Yeah, when we come back from our break, we'll talk a little bit more about sort of the scriptural application of these things and also some other reasons pastors uh, might avoid addressing conflict and some things to think through in terms of becoming more intentional or direct mm-hmm. um, with those things. But for now, let's take a, a quick break for some coffee. Go outside, get some fresh air. Maybe you're outside anyway, listen to the podcast, mowing your yard or something. Good job getting some exercise. any anyway, event, Why don't you take a break, chill out just for a moment. And um, let's hear a word from our sponsors at Midwestern Seminary. Midwestern Seminary's 81-hour Master of Divinity degree prepares you for ministry today and tomorrow. Midwestern Seminary's flagship degree program is our primary track for ministry preparation. Requiring only 81 credit hours, the MDiv program is an efficient option for students, equipping them to serve the church in pastoral ministry. Residential students will be trained in a unique community environment passionately focused on the local church. Online students can earn the full degree without leaving their current ministry context. Come be a part of one of the fastest-growing seminaries in North America as we develop a new culture of discipleship devoted to the local church and committed to taking God's unchanging Word into a rapidly changing world. Visit mbts.edu mdiv today. Okay we're back we're speaking with Ronnie Kurtz. We're talking about how pastors address or how pastors don't address actually points of conflict in their church uh, tension, relational tension, things that could or might blow up um, want to go to the word in just a moment but first um, one other thing that I think keeps pastors from engaging well is the assumptions that they might make so, It's not so much that there's a fear of the conflict. but There's an assumption that the conflict will happen and we assume what people Mm. are thinking. And sometimes we withdraw because we um, are expecting someone is going to respond a certain way. And you may be right. You may be discerning this situation correctly. But someone's potential for sin should never hinder um, our pastoral application or like someone's potential for sin – the even you know, the relative likelihood of someone to sin in response um, you know to our work shouldn't be the cause of our sin of passivity i'm not going to yeah. gauge because they're going to well you don't know if they're going to totally because you 're not God. they may surprise you um, so to you know to believe the best or to hope for the best mm-hmm. is an aspect of biblical love, and they may surprise you with their response you You may be actually correct but I, but their their sinful response should not guide you in terms of um, the sin of passivity, or not taking responsibility. I think that's one thing just to sort of keep in mind. Mm. Um, when we're addressing sort of conflict between people, right? So just to give an example, someone's come to you, Ronnie, someone in your church, and I'm sure this has probably happened in some, in some capacity. Um, one of your church members comes to you and says, so-and-so sinned against me. Um, you know, who knows what that would be? They gossiped about me or they cheated me in some kind of deal or something like that. Um, what do you do as a pastor? What would the word say in in response to that, right?
1: Yeah, I think you just help that brother uh, lead out in the way the Scriptures have and and, uh, outlined for us. And I think that would look like, again, leading the process of reconciliation and actually having the the two parties communicate. Um, I also think, let me just put in a word here for a plurality of elders. I think this is where, I mean, conflict resolution is, you know, reason number seven on the list of a thousand you should have a plurality of pastors yeah Uh, it's just remarkably helpful if you have multiple pastors means you likely have more ears in the scenario you have more minds thinking about the the best ways to think through this and uh, if you ever actually have to do get involved in a personal matter um you know you can lean on them to not be responding emotionally if you're tempted to and even even as you're leading out you know in your example a, a you know, a brother comes to you and says, "Another brother cheated me." Well, now I have in, in my in my scenario, I have three other pastors I can talk with and say, "What do you guys think is the best route? What, what does Scripture have for me to do yeah. in terms of of bringing these two to reconciliation?" Yeah, um, I've I've been in that situation before
0: as well. I think it's important for the pastor to ask good questions and listen well in that That's in, right. in, in that situation. So the first thing I'd want to know is does your brother know that you have this charge against him <laughs> mm. because uh you know Matthew 18 lays out really the sort of steps from you know the lord himself these you know what restoration or reconciliation can look like if you're going to get there is is that the goal and so i want to know is the reason you're bringing this charge to me about the, what this person has done to you and you may be right you you may have been wrong in fact you you know likely you have been wrong or you wouldn't be bringing this up um, you know, sometimes it's just a misunderstanding. Sometimes that's not what happened. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's overblown or exaggerated. But in any event, um, you know, the fact that you bring it up is because I would hope, as a Christian brother, um, you you want to be restored to them, and not just you're coming to me to punish them. That's right. right. So the first thing I want to know is, have you gone to them? Because that's the first step the Lord lays out. Is if you know the, there's an offense between two parties, you you address that directly. The second step is if that person fails to respond, right, or if there's no, res, you know, resolution, they're not repenting or there's just – you're not in agreement over what happened, then you go to the elders. So I want to know, are you jumping the gun? Like does he even know that you're making this charge against him? Hmm. Um, now, you may assume, oh, he knows he cheated me you know, or he knows he wronged me. You know? uh, well, did you take it to him first to address it to see whether he might apologize? He might you know, um, acknowledge that and that's as far as it needs to go. He may say, "You're absolutely right. Let me make it right," or "I'm I'm so sorry. I said that, or mm. whatever it was, um, and I was wrong to do that. Please forgive me." And now it's done, or now you you know have you jumped the gun and now you're coming to me to now wield some kind of hammer against him? So that's the first thing I want to ask: if that has been done, and now they're coming to me because it just didn't work out. I did go to them; it didn't you know it didn't pan out. Um, now I'm coming to you. Um, I want to say, okay. Well, I want to hear their side. I'm not assuming that you're wrong or that you're lying. Um, but you know, part of the reason you bring in witnesses is to kind of adjudicate the matter. Even mm-hmm. just, even if relationally it may not be a discipline issue in that sense or a if uh, you know formal discipline um, issue, but you know, it's come to the plurality, right? So we're going to actually um, hear out the sides and make a decision, in, in, in a way. And uh, it's only beyond that if if resolution cannot be reached that you may come mm. um, you know the situation still if the, even if there's no resolution, it may not reach the, the you know the place of some kind of formal discipline. Um, but you know that's the first thing I want to know is is your heart for reconciliation, or are you just coming um, so that I'll punish them? And they may need to be punished. I don't know what they've done or what they've said. you know um, we're talking about a hypothetical scenario. Um, I'll you know, give one example of where it was just sort of outside my bounds, and it was a lady who was in my town but not in my church. yet. she eventually became a church member. But she was a lady in my church who called me up, never met her, <laughs> didn't know her. She was a member of a different church at that time. And um, she called, and there was a fellow at still another church. This is a third church, so not mine. Goodness. Who she believed had wronged her in a business transaction. He was an ins- uh, insurance agent. Um, and I don't remember what this, the exact situation was, but she lost money because of this guy, and she wanted to know about church discipline. <laughs> and I'm like, so if you're if you're keeping score, that's three different churches. Yeah. Uh, neither of, of these two parties were in mine, nor did I know either one of them. Um, so she's just a lady in my town. This guy's in the next town over at, a, at, a, at a, you know, still a third church. What can we do? Yeah. Right? And I was just very clear to say there's really not – well, there wasn't nothing I could do, but like, in terms of like, I mean, out of her mouth was church discipline. Yeah, it's I was like, out well, of your work, it just doesn't work that way. Yeah. This is not like I have no jurisdiction in this situation. I don't even know you. Yeah, but what I agreed to do was because I knew that fellow's pastor is to say, um, here's what I'll do: I'll call his pastor and just say that there's this charge, and I'm, I'm not, you know I'm not going to tell him what to do or even make a determination of whether you're even right or accurate to be saying these things. But um, his pastor should be aware. I, like, I don't know, like, w- why would you call me? I don't yeah. understand. I think maybe she either, either knew I knew him or I was in her town. So she just felt like I'm the sheriff of these parts. So, you know, <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what she was thinking. Uh, she's a very dear lady, actually. And, um, yeah, it, I, I, I just think there was a point of confusion yeah. um, early on. So I, I did what I could do, which was I called the other pastor. I said, look, this is the situation. I have no idea. I mean, this could be, you know, she's fabricating it. It could be that she's just misunderstood it. It could be a legitimate grievance, and as it turned out, her the, the other fellow's pastor and and the other fellow, they determined it was a legitimate grievance mm. actually, and he he worked to make restitution wow. to her. So I you know I did what I could do. It actually endeared me to her that I would hear her out and what have you. But I didn't put anything on that pastor. I didn't say, hey, one of your guys swindled you know this lady that I don't know. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. Um, you know I can't make that determination, but I yeah. was just willing to say. Here's something involving one of your sheep that was brought to mind. I'm just handing it over to you yeah. um, to do with what you will, to kind of do my due diligence. And sometimes that's the best you
1: can do. That's right. That's so helpful because I think I think a lot of pastors find themselves in some pretty tricky situations. And I think it's just helpful to know both yourself, know your bandwidth, and just your your jurisdiction. And I think pastors would do well to be proactive in this and not just reactive. I I really encourage pastors to... Uh, find some some Christian counselors that they can trust. So when they, you know, if an if a individual comes with a conflict situation or even just a personal situation that's, they just know it's over their head in terms of pastoral care, that they can get professional help involved. I think the same thing is true. Uh, you should know, pastors should know very clearly what to do in terms of abuse and suicide, those yeah. kinds of things. When, when the conflict is out of your jurisdiction, just proactively knowing what you'll do, who you'll turn to. That's just all really helpful. Yeah, Um, We'll close with this. Just
0: a personal word, pastoral word, if you don't mind, to you, um, listener. Because of the size of our audience and the kind of people who listen to this podcast, I'm going to go ahead and assume that there's somebody, if not multiple people listening, who right now are facing some situation in their church context Mm. that needs to be addressed. And you're reluctant to do it, you're hesitant to do it, or you're just sort of Dragging your heels in relation to it, or it just feels overwhelming. You you know you want to address it, but um, you're innocent, scared to. I just want to speak to you and encourage you this way. If you're the pastor uh, of that church, there is no one else to address this situation but you, or at least to lead uh, in this situation, but you. And think of it this way: God knew this was coming. It's not a surprise to Him. Whatever the level of conflict, it could be a really big deal potential for division in your church. God knew it was coming, and in his wisdom, he stewarded this situation to you. You are God's man for this moment. There is no one else to lead in this but you. Do not misunderstand or misinterpret difficulty um, as a lack of calling. Mm -hmm. Um, If he's called you to this church, he has called you for this situation. And I think that should be a cause for confidence. I know it's overwhelming. I know conflict is gross and yucky. It doesn't feel good, and it can create multiple problems as you engage. But do the right thing. Make the steps forward to address intentionally and proactively these sorts of things according to the Word of God. And you can take great confidence in knowing that doing the right thing is always successful no matter what the um, immediate – consequences could be. Have a long view in mind mm. and see yourself as God's man for this situation. I'll close with that, and I'll close with this, a word from the Apostle Paul in Ephesians chapter four, something to encourage all of us as we sort through conflict with our brothers and sisters, uh, whether we're pastors or not, but just in the life of our church. Uh, I therefore, a prisoner in the Lord, urge you to live worthy of the calling you have received with all humility and gentleness, with patience, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. That's the word of the Lord. This was the For the Church podcast. Thank you so much for listening. As always, if you enjoy the program, I ask that you would share us with your friends. Give us a good review on iTunes. Every little bit helps. And until next time, may Jesus be big in your church. You've been listening to the For the Church podcast, hosted by Jared Wilson Managing Editor of For the Church, found online at ftc.co. This resource is brought to you by Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri, where we train leaders for the church.